Rice is Nice by the Lemon Pipers from 1967. And note the extraordinary lyric of that concluding verse. And when I get old, say the singers, too, and wrinkles appear, will I still find rice in my hair? That's the meaning of the cast. And I'm really talking today about marriage. I'm actually talking about long-term marriage. It's on my mind because um, Mary and I are coming on very soon to our 48th wedding anniversary. We hope of all things that we hope that we will make our 50th in two years. But I wanted to um, talk about marriage in a way that I hope is very mockingbird and not uh, cliches, nor is it retrospective, nor is it futile, nor is it unrealistic, uh, nor is it, however, um, just humdrum and drab, I would like to say that uh, Mockingbird is an insight, the one-way love of God to real human situations, real human beings who have real problems, is one of the great, in my opinion, possibly the, the greatest parachurch ministry or non-strictly parochial. I mean, I think of, you know, Tullian and John Saul and Paul Walker and many others, many others, RJ and Sarah and uh, Aaron and uh, um, um, Simeon Saul's work in Cambridge, etc., etc. Fabulous work going down for uh, in the name of God, but the great resource, a, I think it's the great resource today of so many of those who are really doing good in the Christian church are connected in one way or another, or, or, or would love to be connected, would be joyfully connected, if possible, with Mockingbird. And I do want to just add, it's the time of the year when we always look at budgets. And, you know, Mockingbird needs your gift. I'm, I'm saying this from my heart. Um, Mockingbird is a... Uh, is an absolutely marvelous organization, but it doesn't run itself. Did you see the catalog recently of products they're offering that Cali put together down in Charlottesville? I mean, it is unbelievable. It covers all sorts of genres and media platforms and looks and concepts, but it's all unified around the great, great love of God that is one way, not the way the church interprets it, which is always one way, unless you get into trouble, <laughs> or one way in theory. How about in practice troops, especially when people really blow it? Um, is there not one love, uh, one way love there? Well, there is in Mockingbird. And uh, I think it's one of the great, great uh, voices for good in the world today, bar none. So if you are in a position to make a financial gift to support the ministry of Mockingbird, I just want to say really a second that emotion. Really try to do it at the end of the year. The, the Mockingbird would really, really be boosted and helped by your gift. Now, back to Rice is Nice. The um, great thing about marriage is that it supports you um, profoundly in your older years. Everybody who's been married for a long time, even if the marriage went through bad patches or lengthy periods or even periods of real self-deception and um, dissatisfaction, almost everybody are now is glad they made it to near the end because when you're near the end, you have so many associations in common. Your lives are parallel and so in every way. 
that uh, and plus the aloneness of the last years of life is you, you can cut it with a knife I talked about it in my um, in the interview in the new issue of the Mockingbird uh, on aging it was a very long interview I didn't realize it was 15 pages Mary said who in the world would, would want to read this for 15 pages and I, I sort of said oh my gosh you know I, I like the interview because it certainly reflects my, my own personal assimilation of the aging process. I especially love the picture of the guy looking through the window who's dressed just like we all want to dress when we get to be this age, which is terrible. Grow these horrible beards. I don't know what for. But anyway, um, the practical amenity of a long-term marriage is undeniable for those who make it that long. It just is. Um, mainly for reasons of accompaniment. Someday, lady, I'll accompany you. I dedicate that to, isn't Colton, isn't Colton Houston's one of his favorite stars in addition to Earth, Wind, and Fire is, uh, is um, Bob Seger. Um, I'll accompany you. The um, power of a long-term marriage, it's, that's an actual fact. But what is the real enabling of a long-term marriage? Well, it really goes back to that little line that we just heard from the Lemon Pipers. If you want to read a, uh, a uh, musical review that damns with faint praise, the very definition of damning with faint praise is the, um, is the review on iTunes of the Lemon Pipers. <laughs> it's really funny. But they had this very powerful hit, which I owe to Ray Orland. Uh, I do remember it, but I don't remember it well. Rice, I remember Green Tambourine, but Rice is nice. Will you accompany me? I want to I wanna have somebody to love me. I, I want somebody who appreciates me. I want to walk with somebody through my whole life. And, but when I get old and wrinkles appear, will I still find some rice in my hair? That's a reference to the marriage. In other words, will I, when I'm old and gray and my weight is wrong and I can't stay in shape and I've got a million different ailments, I don't look the same. I really don't. Um, male and female, I just don't look the same with all the work I put into it. I... I don't look the same. I can't do it. Um, and um, what's the secret? Will I still find the animating love, the chemistry, the attraction, what I would call the indubitable one-to-one -one connection? Will I find that that I had when I first met her? Will I, will I still be able to draw on that? Now, men and women often internalize the uh, length of a relationship differently. They just do. Again, we can talk about gender identities and differences, but uh, you have to root this in how it actually plays out. And women tend to want to say, well, you know, look, I, 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 I want to be loved for who I am now, they'll say, after 40 years or 30 years. I don't want you to constantly project upon me the you that was at the senior prom or the you that you knew in college. I mean, or the me that you knew when you first met me and New York or there or here or whatever. Uh, I love that. That was wonderful. But I want to be loved for who I am today. Now, the guy can't really do that in exactly the same way because the, the whole physical attraction, uh, you know, the hormones haven't run out with most of the guys, whereas the women, for the variety of different reasons related to the aging of the body, often the hormones have, uh, in fact, are not there. Certainly, they're not there in the quantity that they once were. And um, But the guy still has those hormones. He just does. Again, it's a fact. I look at my wonderful friend Jay Haig's ministry, Living Without Lust, to middle-aged men who have addictions in this area. And I often want to say, good Lord, I mean, I just, it's, it, isn't that a little late? And he says, well, actually, it's not. In, in practice, a lot of older men are very, very hung up on this subject. I mean, really hung up for the worse, really, in a, in a downward spiral of deep, destructive inner fantasies and um, 
but it nonetheless is true that the way the man, he's going to more likely think about how she looked and how she acted and how he saw her and how he understood her and how he experienced her when she was 25 than when she's 55. And so uh, will there still be, he, he, he is looking back and he's saying, but she too, really, she wants to be loved that way. But he's going to love her that way by remembering and re-experiencing the way he loved her then. And he'll bring that into the present. It's, let's not hit him. Let's not flagellate him. He wants to love her the way she is. He does love her the way she is. But he wants to see some rice in her hair. He wants to see her as she was at that time in life. And really, um, she will be very happy to be loved in that way. Because that's the way everybody wants to be loved when you first fall in love. And there's no reason why it can't continue. You, but it does need to stay in contact with um, the rice in your hair. You have to remember. Let me give you the classic example of how this works therapeutically. Um, so Mary and I have been married 48 years, and we're on the verge uh, to visit uh, one of our sons at uh, Christmas time. And it's a very important thing to us. Nothing could be more important. We couldn't be more uh, add, adding. Our, we, we so much want to do it, and we're working on it. But because of COVID... Uh, it's doable, but there are a number of different um, uh, bureaucratic procedures we have to go through. They're really fairly straightforward, but nevertheless, they're like triple what we've ever had to go through to go overseas. And we're doing them one by one, uh, and it's all being done improperly. But the um, but there are moments when I say to myself, oh my gosh, I just don't know if I can do this. I mean, I mean, here I am at the age I am, and trying to pack all this luggage and all that's hard enough. And, you know, just the whole thing of making a big trip, but then you add to it these tremendous bureaucratic things that uh, someone like me, at least, they stimulate anxiety. And um, thank God I have Mary to support me, and I hope she can say she has me to support her, if not to add to her anxiety. But ideally, we're in it together, and we are in it together. So we're working along this line, and I suddenly realize, uh, and we reminded ourselves, that the, a trip overseas like this, it's, it, with the current impediments to it, What's well, exactly what happened when we left, when we got married. We got married on December 29th, 1973, and within about four days, we took a kind of pseudo-honeymoon, basically no honeymoon until after we were settled in Europe, and then we took a real honeymoon. But uh, up to then, we just, we had to get on a plane. But... This was 1973, and there were two major problems. There was a huge gasoline shortage in America. You could barely get gas. There were fights in Queens and Chicago. There were, you know, 50 cars in pileup lines uh, by SS stations and Sunoco, and there was no gas because of uh, the oil embargo and problems in the Middle East. And it was really a question as to would the flight be able to take off? Would there be enough gas in a British Airways flight to, to safely get that plane across from, from Washington, D.C., from Dulles Airport to uh, London Heathrow? Well, it was a real question. And England was going through the coal strike, a massive, this was pre-Thatcher, a massive kind of socialist, uh, internal, political, divisive, uh, almost violent um, div uh, struggle with the coal miners in North Yorkshire and in Nottinghamshire. And guess where I was taking Mary? To lovely Nottingham, which in fact is not like Sherwood Forest. Nottingham is, uh, is and was an entirely different. It was with the D.H. Lawrence Nottingham and miners and very bad feelings and everybody hating each other for class and other reasons that we could barely identify with. And here I am. So I'm taking her to a place. Oh, and they were having three-day work weeks, and you could only have electricity, like 
five hours a day, and then they'd shut it all off, and they had these horrible space heaters that weren't heaters at all. So Mary, who likes to be warm, needless to say, as anybody would, there was no heat half the night and uh, half the day, and there was no light half the day. So I was taking her into a situation where the, even the electricity was iffy in Nottingham, England, and the gas situation might not get us over there. Well, so I thought to myself, well, you know, we made it. And it was the most wonderful thing we ever did. It was very romantic. I get, I get weepy. It's a, I cry because it was so powerful. I mean, here we were, just her and me, you know, you and me, you and me, babe, Peggy Lee, you know. Nobody else, just me and her, no money, no refrigerator, we had no car, we had no, uh, no mod cons, no furniture, nothing. I mean, nothing. And we arrive in England under these conditions, and yet it was the, one of the greatest periods of our entire lives, uh, going together into a new future and in a wonderful Christian community. As it turned out, the Christian community, St. John's College, Nottingham, into which we entered, was the most upbuilding, powerful, positive, generous, kindly uh, environment of good Christian people, chaired by Michael Green at the time, and George Carey, and Peter Ashton, and Colin Buchanan, and it was a miracle of a place. It was like the manger in Bethlehem. No room in the inn, except the manger was the place we would all rather be than any place else. That was how powerful it was, and yet we had to go through. So what happened is I, I said, well, you know, Mary, this is a little bit like that. We're, we're going over there under pretty questionable conditions conditions from the world's point of view. And and yet we did it once before, and I was only 22, and Mary was about the same age, just a tad older. We were holding hands, going off, literally flying off to Never Never Land. I cry when I hear the song, that not the original Peter Pan song from the musical, nor the movie, but the background music to the ride, Peter Pan's flight at Walt Disney World, the background music, which you can still get on YouTube, and it's the most beautiful theme, and I associate that with our, the two days we spent right after our wedding at Disney World, when we were on Peter Pan's ride, flying over London, and whenever I hear that music, I remember how I felt. We were starting life, and it was it was rice in our hair, but we had all these conditional contingencies that were horrible, and yet it turned out to be a miracle. So what do I do now? I think of that. With all these forms we have to fill out, and all these COVID tests we have to take, on all ends, you know, I, I just, I had a negative COVID test yesterday, which was great, but because of the way I had not inserted the swab very little too deep, I had a coughing fit all day. I mean, it was just awful. But nevertheless, uh, we did it, and we're fine. But it's like the flight. It's, it's a, that's how God gave me a new hope for today and JFK and all the things we have to go to today, because he was with us then. And I think of how I felt then. Same person, 48 years later, almost exactly 48 years later, flying off, you know, straight on till morning, as uh, Jay, uh, James Barry said, straight on till morning. And uh, that's how I see it. So the rice in my hair from 1973 um, is here because I think of that. And then I find I have a kind of perspective on it that's divine because it's, uh, it, there's no reason why it can't be that way today. Well, I just presented that to you as, a, as something to, to think about as you... Uh, you come alive in your relationship by connecting with that which is most important. What got you together? It was inevitably two animated beings under God who connected. Now, there are many, you know, young, I've said that recently, young has a lot to say about that and how women actually experience that initial connection often very, very differently than men do. And he makes a big point of it, not in uncharitable ways or not misogynistic in the slightest, but everything he says 
in my experience, coincides with the realities I've seen, both with men and with women, both with me and with those I love, with Mary in particular. Um, but uh, the point is, here are two people um, holding hands and jumping off a cliff of love into the arms of God, into the arms of hope. And that's what I really uh, invite you to consider when you're sort of maybe at a time of kind of, you know, I really don't, can't go on any longer. And there are, you know, there are so many permutations of difficulty in marriage, so many permutations of difficulty and problems. But the, the core of it Listen to that song again, Rice is Nice by the Lemon Pipers. And, and when I get old and wrinkles appear, will I still find rice in my hair? That is the secret of a long-term marriage. And I, uh, it's actually, you know, um, you, you, uh, a daughter-in-law, I think, wrote me at some point and said, you know, your son has swept me off my feet. And I thought to myself, what a wonderful thing. You know, what a wonderful thing. Our son has swept her off her feet. Well, that's something she could, she could hold on to. That's something he could hold on to. It's not a small thing. It's, a, it's what I was talking about. Well, we're going to finish now. It's time to get ready and to pack and finally uh, uh, lift off, God willing. But I wanted to give you this last little uh, kind of Christmas uh, podcast. I um, thought of dedicating it to David Babacow, whom I love so and who can identify with this narrative. But I... Um, but I think I've already dedicated a podcast to him. So I dedicate it to all of you out there who are perhaps uh, well on in your long-term relationship, your Christian marriage, and you um, very much are hoping that uh, when I get old and wrinkles appear, will I still find rice in my hair? It's actually there. You may have to look a little bit. You may have to go back a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. And now we hear perhaps uh, the um, grooviest song of the entire uh, 1960s. It's... Um, it's uh, by the Peanut Butter Conspiracy, and I just want to uh, give it to you in order that you would hug it to your chest at Christmas. Love you. Stop.